what is going on. Happy Friday and welcome to Chatterbox Reds. My name is Nick Kirby. Chatterbox Reds is your daily home for live post-game shows after every Reds game on YouTube and podcasts like you're listening to right now, always available bright and early the morning after every Reds game. We are presented as always by Betfred Sportsbook. Well, coming up on today's special edition of Chatterbox Reds, I'll preview the upcoming Cardinals series. I'll give you a recap of all the Reds minor league action from Thursday night. And I also interviewed Ben Otto, a former Reds groundskeeper who's going to tell us more about the Joe Nuxall Miracle League. But first, let's get you caught up on where things stand with the Reds in the NL wildcard race. Just a couple teams in action on Thursday night. The Marlins got smacked 10-0 by the Dodgers. In fact, the Marlins didn't get a hit until two outs in the seventh inning. And then the Arizona Diamondbacks defeated the Cubs 6-2. Tommy Pham, two home runs in this game at Wrigley. So entering Friday morning, the NL wildcard race is as follows. The Phillies have the first wildcard spot. They have a five-game cushion. The Cubs have the second wildcard spot. They have a three-game cushion. And then the Diamondbacks hold the third and final in a wildcard spot all by themselves. But they have the Reds and the Marlins just a half game behind them. Giants also sticking around. They're just 70-70, and 70, but they are two and a half behind the Diamondbacks for the third and final wildcard spot. All right. Well, now to my interview with Ben Otto. I think you'll really enjoy this. Uh, Ben tells us a little bit more about the Joe Nuxall Miracle League and the really cool event and uh, project that they're doing to hopefully help raise some some money for that great organization. Uh, If you check out in the episode notes uh, below, this podcast links to all that stuff. If you're able to help help out the uh, Joe Nuxall Miracle League, I can tell you it is a really great cause. I've been there before. Um, They just do incredible, incredible work. And uh, I'm excited for you to hear my interview with Ben Otto. All right, I am joined now by Ben Otto. You may know him as Super Red Leg Man on Twitter. Uh, link in our podcast uh, uh, notes below if you want to check him out. Ben, how you doing? Hey, doing good, Nick. How are you? No, I'm doing great. Uh, glad to have you on. We've followed each other for, I, I believe, quite a long time. And it's always nice to to, to connect with different Reds fans uh, tell everyone, Ben, about uh, how how'd you become a Reds fan? Uh, you know, Nick, uh, you know, just uh, I was born into it, man. I, I was raised right here in uh, Cincinnati in the northern suburb of uh, Fairfield, Ohio. Um, and, you know, from the earliest age, watching the uh, watching the games on Channel 5 as a kid with my father and going down to Riverfront, uh, you know, I was lucky enough to attend some pretty cool stuff. Game one of the 90 World Series. So I got to see the Eric Davis uh, setting the tone against the Oakland A's. Um, and then, uh, you know, actually later on in my life, uh, in my college years, I ended up working for the Cincinnati Reds on the ground crew. Um, so my my first game on the crew was, was kind of a sad one. That was in 1996 on opening day when um, umpire John McSherry unfortunately passed away. Um, on the field. Um, and then I worked all the way through, uh, through the year 2000, which was, uh, Ken Griffey Jr.'s first year in Cincinnati. Um, so I got to see a lot there at old, uh, Riverfront stadium. Um, and it was great working for him. And then, you know, now in my adult life, it's been fun to, uh, you know, to keep track of them, follow them, go to as many games as I can. Now I'm getting my kids into it. So it's a good time, but yeah, it's just kind of a lifelong passion for me, uh, following the Reds and trying to keep track of what's going on down there. 
1996 to 2000. That is uh, quite the cool era. Uh, tell me a little bit about that 99 team. What was that run like? Yeah, you know, I mean, in, you know, uh, for to date myself here, you know, I'm 46 years old. Um, 1990 is 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 the year for me, right? Like I, I was 13 at the time. I mean, it was it was quite magical, but. You know, if I had to rank all the teams and all the seasons, um, 99 would probably be my number two. Um, and being on the on the crew, I mean, it was incredible that you know they they started off pretty pretty slow. We had a lot of young talent. Um, somewhat reminds me of of this 2023 team in some ways. Um, you had a lot of guys playing you know playing above their heads um, on on their first contract, so to speak, and. Um, but it was just such a lovable team. And, uh, you know, guys like Sean Casey, Pokey Reese, I mean, Greg Vaughn came in that year and was quite a leader. Um, of course, you had uh, Larkin, and that's kind of your centerpiece there. Um, but that was an incredible year. It came to a, uh, a very heartbreaking end there, um, you know, very memorable for people on the ground crew, in fact, because uh, if you may remember, the Reds were up in Milwaukee. Um, at the end of the season, they needed to win the uh, the Sunday game to to end the season to uh, to force the one game playoff. Um, the Bengals actually played that day at, at Riverfront or Synergy, as it was known. So uh, we actually we, we had to go to the game, the Bengals game, and wait for it to get over. And then the the Reds game was was rain delayed, and we ended up being there all night. We walked all night getting it ready for the next day for the Mets game, and um, I think it was about a forty hour shift for us. But tough ending, but you know what a year that was incredible. All right, I'd be remiss. Do you have one crazy story of your time uh, being on the grounds crew that, that you're allowed to share publicly? Oh, man. Yeah, you know, five years on the crew, yeah. Um, you know, the craziest one, it'd take me a couple minutes to tell. Um, but it was it was my first game. It was 1996, opening day. Um, as, a, you know, as a kid, I was 18 years old, and here I am on the field. Uh, for opening day, it, I, I was beside myself. Um, and as a rookie, though, on the ground crew, and this is back in the days of the parade coming actually through the field, uh, elephants and and horses, and which means a lot of a lot of stuff ends up on the field that you don't want to clean up um, when you're the rookie. Um, which uh, most of the guys that were rookies had to do. But I was fortunate enough; I was actually given a job. The Finley Market gives the team a parade every year, a, a flag in the parade every year. It's the flag that flies over the stadium. Um, so I, my job was to receive the flag, uh, run up to the top of the stadium at the top of the, uh, riverfront, there were a bunch of uh, flagpoles and I had to run up there and my job was to slowly raise the flag during the national anthem while it played. So I get up there, it's super windy. I'm up there with one, uh, crew member. Um, as the national anthem starts playing, we start raising the flag. We can only get it like halfway up before it gets tangled around itself. Um, and so it's halfway up. We, it's about 80 foot flagpole, about 300 foot above the field, and we weren't about to climb it. So we got it as high as we could, tied it off. Um, but by the time we got back down to the field, uh, you know, tragedy had occurred with John McSherry. That happened in the first inning, um, and it was chaos. I was right next to uh, to the first responders as they tried to bring him back to life, and eventually carted him out to the ambulance and through the tunnel. Um, I got to watch Barry Larkin um, and Ray Knight and Eric Davis meet with uh, with the umpiring crew as they tried to decide what to do. Um, but I would think one of the craziest things about that day that sticks out is as, um, eventually they announced that they were going to play the game the next day. Um, nobody really up in the stands knew, you know, what was going on. It was before the age of the internet. And, um, but we had known that he had passed away. Anyway, we went out, we tarped the field, we got back in the locker room and flipped on uh, 700 WOW. And, and one of the first callers we heard 
was um, was a fan that was in attendance and, and said that he was really impressed by how quick the Reds got the flag to half mast. Um, and it was it was that way because we couldn't get it up before the game as the wind uh, tied the tied the knot for us. So it actually stayed that way for a month, I think. Um, but that was a crazy day and 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 probably one of the craziest stories. Um, there's there's some others, but that that one sticks out. What a what a wild start to your your grounds crew. Uh, career. Yeah, correct. Well, Ben, I got to ask you about this year's team because obviously. 20 games to play. Looks like uh, as we're recording this, Reds are going to be a half game out of a playoff spot, which I don't think many of us really imagined at this point. But what has the season been like for you? No, yeah, you're you're right on. Um, and you can go back and look at my Twitter history around opening day. I did. I was a heavy on the over guy, um, 65 and a half. So that's paid out now here as we uh, as we enter September. Um, I didn't expect this. Uh, I didn't know, you know, how quickly some of the youth would uh, would rise through the ranks and and actually start to produce. Um, I think the energy, you know, it reminds me again of, of 1999 in some ways. Um, the you know, I was at Ellie's first game. Um, thanks to uh, thanks to Jamie Ramsey down at the Reds for for letting me know that was happening. Um, a little bit, former ground screw guy, by the way. Um, so, you know, I think starting, it feels like starting around then or even maybe a, a month before or so when McLean came up uh, mid-May, if I remember, um, in the Rocky series. Either way, just seeing the pieces evolve, um, I think, uh, I think you know, they, they've, they've started, they found a groove. Um, they've struggled, you know, at times, but have, have been able to avoid the extended streaks that you might see. Um, they, they, they've had a couple um, but overall, obviously, with the with the record showing, um, they've been able to to keep it on the right track, and, and here we are. It's exciting. I mean, we're in September. That I didn't expect. You know, we'd be sitting here on September seventh, thinking about, uh, man, we might be able to do this here. We got a magic number the other day, and I was like, whoa, it's been a while, but um, it's been great. You know, I mean, what can you say about these players? The young players are so exciting, um, and uh, you know, they fought through some injuries. Obviously, um, it hasn't been kind to them, especially in the rotation, but. Um, you know, they're hanging in, they're easy to root for. Um, and you know, I think for me here on out, it doesn't really matter. It's been fun. Um, let's roll the dice, see what happens. And, um, you know, the future's bright here in Cincinnati. All right. Well, Ben, I know you are involved with the Joe Nuxall Miracle League. Uh, tell us a little bit about that. I'm assuming most Reds fans know what that is. If, if you, if you follow the team at all, but I'm sure a lot of fans don't know exactly what all, uh, the Joe Knox All Miracle Leagues entail, and then tell us about how how you got involved. Yeah, no, you're absolutely uh, right. Um, you know, I, I've learned over the years not everybody knows what the Miracle League fields even are. Um, so, you know, I live in Fairfield. I live uh, less than a mile from the Joe Knox All Miracle League fields, and um, basically, you know, what it is is a place where anyone of any age of any ability can go right now and play baseball. Um, you know, that's something that, that wasn't, uh, wasn't possible when I was a child. Um, and I had, you know, several friends and, and schoolmates that, that would have loved to have that opportunity, but never did. And now they do. Um, it's, uh, it's, it was a labor of love for a lot of people here in Fairfield, including uh, Kim Nuxall, Joe's son. Um, it was Joe's dr- last kind of dream. Um, unfortunately, he did not uh, see it come to fruition, but uh, Kim make sure, made sure that it happened. Um, and, and, you know, I, I tell people it's a gem of our community here in Fairfield. Um, and if you ever have a chance, uh, get out there for a game. Watch, watch these uh, kids and adults play. Watch their smiles as they, as they make contact, run around the bases, um, cheer on their teammates. Um, you know, it's, a, it's, it's like 
a set of little league, little uh, major league baseball fields. They have jumbotrons. They got stadium style seating and concessions, and and it's all accessible for anybody of any ability. Um, right now, there is also a a, a big initiative um, called the Hope Center Project. It's uh, the next step is going to be to build a giant indoor facility for anyone of any ability to play all kinds of sports all year round. So they could get, they could play basketball, they could play volleyball. Um, you know, right now with baseball, obviously it's very seasonal. Um, but, uh, but that's the next step. So we're trying to raise awareness for that. Uh, I can I became involved. Um, you know, I, I, I'm from Fairfield as was Joe Nuxall. Um, during my time on the crew, I, I really got to know Joe. Um, we really hit it off. We had a lot in common, you know, being from Fairfield, we had the same birthday. Um, I'd see him around town and such, and then eventually, you know, got close uh, to know Kim Nuxall and his family. And um, and then when the fields came to fruition, you know, just kind of fell in love with it. And so, you know, I've helped organize golf outings to, to benefit the fields. And um, and that gets me to kind of where we're at now. Um, I got something coming up that uh, hopefully we can raise some more awareness and raise some more funds and, and get that Hope Center project going so that we can see it happen during, you know, with, with Kim Nuxall. All right. So, yeah, that's September 18th. Tell us about... This uh, really cool thing you guys got going on. Yeah, so on September 18th, um, the Cincinnati Reds are going to give me and three others, um, so there's a total of four of us, they're going to give us the official game ball for that night's game. They play the Twins that night at 6.40 p.m. down at Great American, but they're going to give us the baseball up in Fairfield. It's, they're going to give us the baseball on the field at the Miracle League fields. Um, we're going to get that baseball around 6 a.m. that day, um, and we're going to walk it all the way down to Great American Ballpark. It's about 21 miles, so uh, a nod there to, to Sean Casey's uh, uniform number. But um, we're going to walk it all the way down there. We're going to get down there in time to deliver it to the mound on the field at, at GABP, um, all in an effort to, again, raise awareness uh, and raise funds. Um, so we, we are doing this as a fundraiser with the goal to make uh, $15,000 for the fields. Um, and you can find uh, a, Go, a GoFundMe link at NuxallMiracleLeague.org/walk. Um, there's a whole story on there about this, um, how this walk kind of, how the idea came to be, um, where we're at now, and, and what we're going to do on the 18th. So we're excited about it. Well, that sounds uh, really, really cool, Ben. Um, we'll have the we have the link below in our uh, episode notes. So please check that out if you're you're able to help out. Um, and, uh, I can't say enough. I, I got to go to the miracle league once and it's, uh, you're, you're blown away the first time you go at just how state of the art, the entire facility is. It's, uh, it, it's, it's just impressive. You have to see it for yourself. It's hard to really, uh, describe, uh, until you go see it in person. Yeah. Yeah. They, they didn't half step anything for sure. So, well, Ben, this has been a lot of fun. Uh, thank you so much for taking some time to join us. Uh, best of luck with this outing. Hopefully, uh, maybe we can have some folks help you guys out and uh, hope you enjoy the rest of this red season as much as everyone else. Yeah, really appreciate uh, what you're doing here, Nick, and um, and enjoy the way you're using all the media. It's been a lot of fun to follow you after the games and such. So uh, thanks for the opportunity and um, go Reds. Let's do this. All right, let's get you caught up on all the Reds minor league action from Thursday night. Start off with AAA Louisville. Another rough night. They lost 10-3 to St. Paul. Bats now 68-65 and on the season as they have lost four straight games and they are just 3-12 and this season against St. Paul. The Bats with 15 games left in the season, three games over 500. They are looking for their first season at 500 or better since 2011. 
Kevin Newman uh, made his third rehab start. He was 0 for 3, did walk. Newman so far 0 for 9, but does have three walks during his rehab assignment. Jose Barrera was 1 for 4. Uh, Jacob Herdeby, though, was on base three times. This guy has a remarkable 476 on base percentage in 104 minor league games this year. Henry Ramos, two for four with a pair of doubles. TJ Hopkins was two for four. And last but not least, Ricky Karcher threw two no-hit innings, struck out four batters, but he also did walk four batters. Now to double-A, the Chattanooga Lookouts, they lost 8-2 to Montgomery. Lookouts now 68-60 and on the season, but they are gearing up for the playoffs that they've already clinched starting September 21st at home. Uh, Blake Dunn, 0 for 2, but did have two walks. Reese Hines was 2 for 4. Uh, Julian Aguilar, tough start. Four innings pitch, gave up nine hits and six earned runs. But the story of the night for Reds minor league action was the Dayton Dragons. They won 4-3 over Fort Wayne on a Sal Stewart walk-off home run. And here is Dragons play-by-play announcer Tom Nichols with the call. Fly ball, left field, backing up Robertson, way back, way back. Put this one in the wind column. Sal Stewart, walk-off home run. Dragons win, 4-3 in the final. Dragons are still alive. Stewart fires his helmet in the air, touches home plate, and is mobbed by his teammates as he has won this game. You've done it, South Stewart. Dragons win it, 4-3. How about that? And South Stewart's walk-off home run was our deep drive of the day, sponsored by Deep South Commodities. DSC is a leader in renewable commodities for biofuel production, specializing in used cooking oil collection, aggregation, and sales. Visit www.deepsouthcommodities.com for more information. Thanks, as always, to our friends at Deep South Commodities. And it was a huge win for the Dayton Dragons. They're now 66-63 and on the season, and they are two back of Fort Wayne, the team that they walked off on Thursday night with three games to play. So they have to sweep Fort Wayne. They would also need uh, West Michigan to lose two of three, and they would also need one loss out of Lake County. But the Dragons, with three games to play, are still alive for a playoff spot. But the Dragons are one win away from securing their third straight winning season. Pretty cool mark for that franchise. Other notables from this game, Edwin Royal was 0 for 5, but South Stewart hit the walk-off home run. 2 for 4, also had a, a double, the home run his 12th this minor league season. Carlos Jorge was 1 for 3 and doubled. Uh, Hector Rodriguez and Austin Hendrick did not start in this game, although Hendrick did have a pinch hit strikeout. Down to low A, the Daytona Tortugas, they lost 14-7 to St. Lucie. Tortugas now 55-71 and on the year. Cam Collier was 0 for 4. Uh, Ricardo Cabrera, uh, top 10 Reds prospect just called up. One for three, two walks, but he stole three bases in this game. And no one, though, is hotter than Ethan O'Donnell, the uh, Reds' sixth-round draft pick this season out of Virginia University, homeward in a fourth straight game. He's hitting 375 with an OPS over 1,100 in 21 games at Daytona. 
And then Carlos Sanchez, Reds' number 24-ranked prospect. He got his first hit since getting promoted to Daytona. He was promoted back on Tuesday. And then Connor Burns, the fifth-round catching pick from the 2023 draft, hit his third home run of the season. All right, Reds will welcome the St. Louis Cardinals to Great American Ballpark this weekend. Cardinals are 61-79 and on the season. And get this. If the Reds were to somehow pull off a sweep of the Cardinals, the Cardinals would clinch their first losing season since 2007. So it's obviously a matter of time. Cardinals are going to have their first losing season since 2007. Sure would be cool if it happened this weekend. Cardinals, though, they are playing a little bit better of late. Five and three in their last eight games, including just taking two of three from the Atlanta Braves in Atlanta. The Cardinals scored 26 runs in those three games. Reds 4-3 and three against the Cardinals this season. Cardinals, their offense really has been pretty solid all season, but even more so in the second half. But the pitching has really let them down. They have a team ERA over 5 in the second half of the season. Uh, Paul Goldschmidt, Nolan Arenado, slightly down years. Still both have an OPS over 800, so certainly still dangerous. Lars Newtbar and Nolan Gorman have been their most productive hitters in the second half. Newtbar has eight home runs and an OPS over 950 since the All-Star break. Nolan Gorman has 10 bombs in the second half. Wilson Gutierrez has also turned his season around playing much better of late. And then in even more recent uh, memory, Jordan Walker and Tyler O'Neill both really hot so far in September. Also, Mason Wynn, he's the number 30-ranked prospect in all of baseball. He got called up. He's played 16 games hitting ninth mostly for the Cardinals. Wynn is only hitting 167, but did hit his first big league home run back on Wednesday. Cardinals bullpen, that they have been really, really rough, especially down the stretch of late. Um, however, they did just get back their closer, Ryan Helsley, off the injured list, and he has looked pretty good in two games. All right, here's how the series shakes out. Uh, tonight, Friday's matchup be Drew Rahm against Andrew Abbott for the Reds. More on that matchup in a second. Saturday, Zach Thompson for the Cardinals against Carson Spires for the Reds. And then Sunday, Miles Michaelis against Hunter Green. But Friday's game tonight, 640. It is on Apple TV+. Plus. So make your adjustments for that. Uh, for the Cardinals, left-handed pitcher Drew Rahm. He was the Orioles' number 18-ranked prospect uh, before he got traded for Jack Flaherty this summer. Uh, Rom had a 5.34 ERA and 18 starts for the Orioles AAA affiliate, but he did make two great starts with uh, AAA Memphis after the trade, and then he got called up. Cardinals desperate for pitching. Got called up, made his big league debut back on August 21st. He has a 7.24 ERA in his three starts, but he gave up six earned runs in start number one against the Pirates, then turned around and only gave up two earned runs in start number two against the Phillies. And then his last time out, three earned runs in four and two-thirds innings, another start against the Pirates. Lefty on the mound, hopefully uh, Harrison Bader and Hunter Renfro, two guys that were brought in literally four games just like this one on Friday. Hopefully they can catch some lightning. And then for the Reds, it'll be Andrew Abbott. Boy, was he great his last start. Just one earned run in six and a third innings against the Cubs. And that only run was a home run uh, in the seventh inning. After it looked like Abbott was really running out of steam this season. Can he pull another one out? Boy, he was great in his last start. 
Uh, Abbott's only start against St. Louis was his second career start. He came at Bush Stadium, and he threw five and two-thirds shutout innings with four strikeouts. All right, just 20 games left for the Reds. It has been an unbelievable season. Reds still hanging in this race. Man, I just have enjoyed uh, watching and following this team every day. I just wanted to, want the ride to keep going. Really looking forward to this series, and I tell you what, my plea to you, if you are in the Cincinnati area, this series is huge against the Cardinals. Find a way to get down to Great American Ballpark this weekend and support this team. Uh, this team absolutely deserves a packed house. Uh, they have just played incredible baseball, inspiring baseball all year, and it would be nice to see them get to play in front of some good crowds at GABP. Chatterbox Reds live on YouTube. We'll be live a little after 9 o'clock uh, this weekend. Craig Sandlin, he was 2-0 in his Chatterbox debut uh, last weekend. He'll be helping us out again Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. So hopefully Craig can bring some more dubs. Of course, if you missed that or you just want to listen to us again for some reason, Chatterbox Reds always available in podcast form uh, bright and early. So will be up bright on Saturday morning and Sunday morning. If you're out watching football or doing whatever, you can always catch up on what's going on with the Cincinnati Reds. Well, I hope that you have a great Friday. Hopefully your weekend gets off to a great start. And as always, go Reds. Go Reds.